Hello everyone, I am Ubun Ufot and I welcome you to Ancient Word in a Modern World podcast. I am excited to share the word of the Lord with us today and I say thank you for tuning in to today's episode. And let's let's get into the word of the Lord. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. I'm going to read from verse 9 through 13. And I'll be reading from the King James Version. Deuteronomy 31, 9 through 13. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant, and unto all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. 13. The last says, And that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live. In the land whither ye go, over Jordan, to possess it. Today I want to talk to us about the Bible we have. The Bible we have. Now the Bible is the Christian holy book. It's divided into two sections. The Old Testament and the New Testament. We have 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 books that makes up the New Testament. Testament. The Old Testament is majorly written in Hebrews with some parts written in Aramaic, while the New Testament is written in Greeks. In our day and age today, we have um, different formats of the Bible, and by that I mean uh, hard copies in different sizes and different styles with tons of diverse translations at our disposal. Many also have uh, a copy of the Holy Scriptures electronically, they could read from, you know, maybe the smartphones or their tablets or their computers. Basically, you can either read or it reads to you at just the click of a button. It's pretty beautiful what technology has actually helped in this part of Christendom. And as convenient as it seems to us today, best believe that The Holy Scripture was not always this, quote, accessible to many in ancient Bible times. In the text we read, Deuteronomy 31, we see where Moses commanded the people saying, and I want to quote a section there. It says, at the end of every seven years, read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Practically, if you were a 22-year-old adult at that time, such a fellow would have actually only heard the word of God read aloud 
three times their entire life, practically. And as that concept may not be strange and foreign to us, because by the grace of God, we are privileged and we have the scripture at our disposal by the click of a button, we can either read on the go or listen on the, on, on the go. But it wasn't always so. It wasn't always so. And God forbid that we actually water down the importance of having a Bible today because we actually have too much of this holy word of God being made available to us and God forbid that we actually water down the importance of studying the Bible and the importance of cherishing our Bible. Let me just give a little bit of history, just just a little bit of history as to how far the Bible we have has come. You see, like I said, the Bible was not always at the disposal of you know, people in ancient Bible times. It was very precious. It was rare. It still is precious today. But then we have diverse collections, diverse translations. These things were not always so. Now, along the shores of the Dead Seas, located eastward of Jordan and west of Israel, is, is a lake. It's called the Salt Lake in Jerusalem. And between 1946 and 1956, it's recorded, Bedouin shepherds, it's more like an, um, an ethnical group of nomads, Arabs, Bedouin shepherds were, they were tending their flocks and one of their goats went astray from the herds. So one of the shepherds actually thought he had you know, wandered into the cave or something. So he took a stone and he threw the stone into the cave just to scare this goat so it can come out. But then they heard a, a, a noise, a clanging jar, like a, a, a jar was broken. The stone had hit this jar and the jar was broken. And they, and they went in to see what could have happened. And when they arrived at that spot, they, they saw the oldest biblical text ever found in the 20th century of all archaeology, the first of what we know today as the Dead Sea Scroll. See, the scrolls were handwritten from 2,000 years ago on on a durable animal skin. Basically, it was this, this lot. Of course, few were written in papyrus and, you know, they were mostly composed in Hebrews because they were written from uh, from right to left. And they were written in different sheets on in columns, but they were all sewn together to form this single scroll. And these scrolls were they were transformed into codex uh, in the AD two hundred. And as time passed, they begin to translate the books, and the, the books were reproduced by hands because during the during the medieval period, monks they would spend their days they would spend the days copying text and you know from in latin and greeks why others would um, illustrate the pages it was something that required highly skilled talent it was something that required many efforts it wasn't it wasn't a one-man job now as time progressed right the the printing press transitioned um the bible in the middle age 
into the early modern world. The invention of the printing press sort of revolutionized Bible productions, book, not just Bible, but books productions in general, right? Ultimately, it, it, it made, it made Bible, the Bible even more available to masses, to a lot of people. And today, the Bible we have is the best-selling book of all time. See, but it didn't used to be so. In fact, the Bible is not actually a book, as we may think of it to be. It's actually a collection of ancient books. It is the book. The Bible is the book. The Bible has many writers, but one author. The Bible sometimes is seen as a historical book, but much more, it is God's revelation to man. I personally like to tag the Bible, God's love letter to mankind. The Bible we have. And this particular episode is to encourage us to take time to study the book. Take time to read the words. Take time to dwell with the word of God. Take time to study this book. It didn't used to be this available. But today we thank God it is. In 1516, there was a man named Erasmus. Erasmus would restore the true Greek text from Antioch to the people of Europe. And there were, there were two men who would actually make translations for people from these texts. It was Martin Luther in Germany and William Stindel. In England, basically, this man had to disobey the laws of the Roman Catholic Church at the time to make these translations because um, the Roman Catholic Church, they, they, they basically had the Bible in Latin and the Roman Catholic, the, the papacies, they would use, they, would, they basically wanted the Bible to remain in Latin so that it would always come from the Pope. So this man would disobey the laws of the Roman Catholic to translate these books. In fact, one evening, William Stendhal was having a discussion with one of the Catholic bishops, and, and they, were, they were discussing about the authority of Scripture. And the bishop, the bishop said that he respected the words of the Pope more than the Bible. And truly, we live in a day and age today where men may not actually echo these exact words, but practically, we see men doing similar. In the hearts and minds of men, the scripture has been placed very low. Then people, people do well these days to read books that are written about the Bible, but they don't even read the Bible itself. And William Stindale replied him, and I quote, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life, ere many years, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow shall know more of the scripture than thou dost, unquote. Stindale made up his mind that he will, he will translate, of course he didn't say literally to him, but I will make sure that a farmer would be able to understand the scripture than even you, Bishop. Because 
Tyndale's desire was to make the Bible available in England instead of the Latin Bible that was used by the, the Catholic clergy at the time to keep the people in bondage. And in 1534, William Tyndale translated the New Testament to English from the Greek text of Erasmus. And just roughly two years later, in 1536, William Tyndale was executed by the Roman Catholic Church. And what was his crime? He only gave the people of England the word of the Lord in their own language, English. You see, at that time, a tyrannical church like Rome could not have their uh, authority being undermined by an English version of the Bible. So they, they had to kill William Tyndale because the Pope wanted to remain in control, wanted to remain in charge, wanted to keep control in the people of England. But let me read to you William Tyndale's dying words, and I quote, Lord, open the king of England's eyes, unquote. He died being strangled. Then they, they set his body on fire, but he prayed a very profound prayer that I believe the gates of heavens and the throne room of God heard loud and clear. Because in 1604 AD, King James I of England authorized the translation of the Holy Bible into the English language. This was one, one job that required about 54 of Europe's finest and greatest scholars to accomplish this monumental task. It took them about seven years to actually complete these translations. Men, men like Lancelot Andrews, these were men who could speak about 15 different languages. These were men who could, who, this, were, this was a man who, who wrote his own private devotional books in Greeks. Men like Henry. Henry was, was a Greek mathematical tutor to the Queen Elizabeth herself. These were men like John Oval. This was an, an, an expert on the early church fathers. These were men who came together to translate the Bible we have today. Each book actually had to pass through about 14 different tests before it was accepted as scripture. And in 1611, the work was complete and we have the authorized version of the Bible, which today we call the King James Version. 75 years later, William Tyndale's prayers came to pass. You see, the Bible has gone through a lot for us to just keep it on our decks to eat dust and be covered in cobwebs, or to just have the app on the phone until when we need an extra space, then we remember, oh, there's something I can uninstall, and here it is, the Holy Bible. See, when the communists took over China, the first thing they did was to try to destroy the Bibles. They, they burned the Bibles in the city squares and, you know, many of the Chinese believers, they took their Bibles and they carefully burned them in their backyards. When Castro took over Cuba, the first thing he did was to confiscates the Bibles. He seized the Bibles. He shut down churches and imprisoned all 
pastors. He could lay his hands on in seventeen in the seventeen fifties. Uh, a French philosopher named named Voltaire. He he declared and said, and I quote: "Within one hundred years, the Bible will be forgotten." Unquote. But when he died, his home was eventually bought and turned into a French Bible society. The Bible we have has gone through a lot. It has seen the thickness and the thinness of man's cruelty. And it's available to us at the tap of a finger, the tap of a button, at the flip of a page. And there are people who currently live in countries and societies whereby it's illegal to even own the Bible as a book. But if you will, I implore you and I charge you to take time to study the word. Men died. People gave their life to see to it that you have the Bible at the accessible state that you currently do now. Dwell with the word of the Lord. Dwell with it. Study the word of God. Study the word of God. In fact, there are, there are a lot of books today that are quite popular in the world. Over the last 50 years, there are many popular books in the world. I'm just going to name some of them. Um, the Da Vinci Code is one of the most popular books over the last 50 years at the time of this recording. And it, th that book has sold about 57 million. It sold over, it's had, it's, it's had over 57 million sold. Uh, another book very popular, uh, it's The Lord of the Rings. And Lord of the Rings has has had about 103 million sold. We also have the Harry Potter series as well, which has had over 400 million sold. And we also have the works of Mao Zedong, which also have had over 820 million sold. And these are quite popular books. But can you guess how many Bibles have been printed and sold over the last 50 years? Four billion Bibles. Four billion. Four billion Bibles. I bring you the words of the Apostle Peter in First Peter chapter 1, verse 24 through 25 that says, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower therefore falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The word of the Lord endureth forever. People of God, dwell with the word of the Lord. Read your Bibles. Listen to the Bible. It has been um, technology has made it possible for us to be able to listen. Yes, it's there's nothing bad in reading books that has been written about the Bible, but much more. Read the Bible itself. Read your Bibles. Dwell with the Word of the Lord. Study the Word of the Lord. Allow it to speak to you. Many things speak to us today. The media speaks to us. The news speaks to us. Friends and family speak to us. Our own minds speak to us. Why not give the Scripture a chance to speak to you? The Bible we have is recorded in over hundreds of languages today. It used to be so. Men died to see to it that other men would have the Scriptures at their disposal and at their convenience. 
There are places today where it is forbidden to have a Bible, either book-wise or electronic-wise, whichever. And we intercede to God on behalf of believers all around the world. But what if that becomes the fate of every believer? What if it becomes the fate of every Christian in the whole world that it becomes illegal to own Bible where you are, wherever you find yourself? How can you cope? Well, there's two scriptures I have, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament to help with that. The Old Testament is Psalm 119, verse 11. And the psalmist here writes, says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. That's it. That's it. The goal of studying the word and dwelling with the word of God is that we lift up the word of God from ink and paper and we imprint it into our soul. It becomes who we are. It becomes what we say. It becomes the very word we breathe. It becomes the very word we rely on. The word of the Lord cannot be taken away from you if and when you have hid the word of the Lord in your heart. And the verse in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I read from verse 1 through 3. It says, do we, again, do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. Verse 2 says, Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Ye are our epistles written in our hearts. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth at the time, informing them that you are our epistles written in our heart. We have you day in in mind, day in in our heart. And we have to understand something that non-Christians and other people around the world who don't even believe in your Bibles, when they see you after lifting the word of God from ink and paper, and imprinting it in your heart, and you begin to live scripture, talk scripture, walk scriptures, you become living epistles. You become the Bible that people read. Our lifestyle, our character, our attitude becomes the Bible that others read. Verse 3 says, For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stones, but in flesh, fleshly tables of the heart. You see, this is where the spirit of God comes in. The Holy Spirit of God comes in and helps us. And I do well to say this, that the Bible, I always say, it's a very technical book. Because we need the Holy Ghost to understand the Holy Scripture. We cannot understand the Holy Scripture without the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God comes and gives us grace to understand the Scripture, gives us grace, it opens and reveals unto our heart, unto our minds, 
the eternal words of life. And I'm going to wrap this up with a prayer for us today that God would give us the grace to study the word. He would give us the grace to take time to get into the word. Listen, it is better to read the word of God five minutes every day than read it one hour once a week. And you know, when you read five minutes every day, that gives you 35 minutes in a week rather than choosing one particular day and reading just one hour because it's supposed to be something we do on a day-to-day basis. Give us day by day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Every day we should find time to study the word of God because if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Read the word of God. Study his word. Take time to dwell in his word. Can I pray with you? Father Lord, I thank you for listeners today and everyone who's tuned into this episode. And I pray that you grant the grace, Lord Jesus, to study the word of God. The grace, Lord, to find time. The grace, Lord, to create time. The grace, Lord Jesus, to dwell with the word of God. The grace that we live the word of God, breathe the word of God, talk and walk the word of God in our activities, in our doings, in our deeds and thoughts. Let the word of God be made manifest in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate and God bless you.